0: Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 266 and this episode is with Derby County senior fitness coach Rob Molledge. Rob is also a member of our online community and has been for a long time and I know he references the community in the podcast as well. This is a really interesting episode because Rob has got a very different background and experiences to a lot of other coaches. So you're gonna learn a lot from this one, but it also just highlights the not everyone's journey is the same. Um, so yeah, you'll take plenty from this episode. We spoke about the debate around the specialist and generalist. We talked about blending the program from gym to the field, starting a program from scratch. We talked about mastering the basics. Uh, Rob gave a great example of one of the programs that he used and still uses with players, and how that um, has been applied with his program and players across a number of different settings as well and then also the difference from working in the UK to Southeast Asia both in terms of the players and the program but also as a person and a practitioner as well so loads to take away from this episode with Rob we are in the process now of confirming some of our networking events looking forward to 2024 We're looking for hosts, we're looking for people to host the events, we're also looking for speakers at the events as well, so if you're interested in either, please drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com, we are hoping to have a few events confirmed for the very start of next year, and then also looking into sort of the first quarter of next year as well, so if you are interested, please get in touch. Just finally, before we dive into the episode, a massive thank you to our sponsors, the Good, prep, the Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat, chef-cooked meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite level athletes and corporates to develop meal solutions that meet their ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep you in peak performance you can achieve every goal you set. Plus you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com and make sure you use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. Also, a massive thank you to Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training for pro sport teams and athletes? Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe, and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximise athletic potential like never before. Whether in the changing room, post game, during away game travel, in the hotel, or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Go and check them out at Hytro.com or email team sales at Hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. Also, go and check out the amazing work being done by Rezel. Search at Rezzle over on socials, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. And let's get into episode 266 with Rob Morledge. Derby County Senior Fitness Coach.
1: Rezl is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezl Sports & Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezl, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest.
0: Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 266. I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast today, Derby County Senior Fitness Coach Rob Morledge. Rob, how are we doing?
1: Yeah, very good. Thank you. Brilliant uh, to come to the podcast, uh, listen to it for for many years. So um, it's really, really good to be here.
0: No, it's great to have you because I know you're someone that's got a lot of people come on and they all think that they've got the same sort of background being similar sort of jobs, but I think yours is going to... It's going to get people thinking a little bit on there's, there's different ways um, in this game, isn't there? So it'd be great to dive into that in a second. But no, thank you very much for freeing up time. I know it's a busy part of the season, so I really, really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, no worries. No worries.
0: Rob, kick us off. I know you've listened to a few of the episodes. You know we always start with backgrounds, careers... Take us way back,
1: mate, and take us through the career. Yeah, so I uh, did my BSc at uh, Chichester University. Um, and I I got into CrossFit, to be honest, started doing CrossFit and I got well into Olympic weightlifting. And then uh, I was like, and I was walking down the hall, the hallway once in Chichester Uni and I saw Masters in SNC, And I was like, right, that's what I want to do. Do you know what? I saw a job advert when I was first year at uni for Arsenal. Arsenal had a performance. It was like 60 grand a year and I walked into my uh, to my um, dissertation super advisor, Jason Lake, who is the, the jump guy. Yeah. Right. Like, right, I want to go and be an SSE coach. I've just seen this job and he's like, Rob, do you realise that it didn't take you a very, very long time to get there? But now since that day, I was like, that's all I wanted to do. So um, then I went to Coventry University and did my master's degree there um, with... Uh, Pete Mundy, who also uh, works with Hawkins Dynamics, who was a a great supervisor, he was like, oh, I'll apply for all these internships. So I applied for a golf football internship, West Brom internship and Leicestershire County cricket internship. And I ended up getting them all. So um, I was doing all these different internships whilst working at a fruit and veg shop to try and earn some money. And in a gym. So I think I had seven jobs in my in my master's degree yeah, which was Brilliant. absolute car- carnage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a what a way to learn. Um, and then I ended up getting offered full-time role with West Brom after that master's internship. So essentially at West Brom, I was I was really just an intern, really, but I was supporting all age groups from under 23 down to under nine, and I was pretty much just given tasks tasks. 'cause they needed it. So I was doing some like return to play, some some gym work, some fitness work. Um and West Brom was fantastic because there is a separate like um site, but I would always go into the first team office and first team office you'd have like Matt Green in there, Paul Colbeck, Matt Bickley, um Aiden King, who's now at Swansea and oh you learned so much in that. Um uh, Nick Grantham was there as well. So such an exciting time place to be but essentially for the i was there for about a year and um it just seemed that it was going to be really tough to to kind of work my way up and you, you couldn't really get your hands into any kind of program you know when you just want to get your teeth stuck into something and people always when i was at leicester county cricket someone said to me i oh, what's your philosophy and i was like i can't really find my philosophy when i'm not really like Practicing and actually like coaching and delivering and um, implementing things. So um, I got a re- offered a role in Singapore to go and work at a company called UFIT, um, which quite a lot of like master's degree students get because it's kind of like you're coaching finance people, rich bankers, investment guys. Um, and so when you get out there, you know, have you been to Singapore before?
0: No, never.
1: No, so Amazing place, really clean, very expensive to live there. Um, and essentially I just thought I was twenty seven at the time and I was at West Brom, so I thought why not go in and enjoy myself for a little bit. And uh so essentially I was coaching eight hours, so I was personal training, eight hours a day. And you had we had all sorts. We had young footballers in, we had rugby players, tennis players, we had like you know, just a lot of general public guys. But and I think this is one of the things you find that guys who want to be S and C coaches, they go straight from the university degrees into academies, and have never actually coached. Yeah, like I, I was coaching sixty year old, um, sixty year olds who, who just recovered from a stroke, and yeah. then I'd be coaching an, an eight year old footballer. So the variation of people that I was coaching really, really set me up for for where I've, I've got to now. Really, um, and you know, you was doing eight hours a day coaching. Um, it it was quite full on, and I did that for about a year and a half. And essentially, I think I just got tired of of coaching to the general public. For, I mean, it sounds funny, but you know, if if Sue gets a push up, I didn't really care in the end. Do, do you know what I mean? And I, I, I didn't really could not really, really say that, but um, but you you were earning quite a lot of money because um, you know, the guys we were coaching were were quite well well off. So one of the best things about that was is you. I was going to Bali, Phuket in Thailand, Vietnam, Hong Kong. So it was a great experience. And then I kind of I knew I had enough of it. And uh, a friend messaged me saying, do you want to go to Cambodia and be the head of fitness at a Cambodian club? Um, at, which at the time, I think it was probably on about $1,000 a month, which is, you know, not not nothing, you know. And I was like, you know what? I just knew I wanted to do it. It sounded so exciting. So I took a huge cut. We went. To, uh, I worked at a club called Suarang FC, which which they just won the league actually in Cambodia. There's about there's only about seven or eight teams, and they just qualified for the Asian Asian UEFA Cup. So my first season, we were playing in the league, we were playing in the cup, and we were playing in the UEFA Cup. So we had to travel places to Bali and for Philippines and Laos. So my first season in professional football, what what an experience? Do you, do you know what I mean? So. Um, I mean, some things. about I wrote a few things about it because sometimes you have to try and think about the PG stuff, PG stories. <laughs> it's quite hard. It's quite hard. That could be so, a different I mean, podcast.
0: We'll, we'll yeah, do the other side of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah, you know, we we had to get. We used to have. We didn't have a training ground or anything like that. We used to have. We were, all the players had to jump on a bus, and we used to get a bus into the middle of nowhere. There were two fields there. There was chickens running on the pitch. Brilliant. There was cows, there was cows blocking the way into the entry. Um, you know, the showers was the hose pipe that actually watered the grass, they were the showers. The players would just take that off and start showering themselves with that. Um so to- totally different, but what what an experience, you know. Um and I, I think we'll come on to it later on, later on in the podcast, but oh, I could just get my teeth into it. Yeah, I mean, you 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 really like this was my chance to to get them fit, but actually build a philosophy, see what works, and 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 I spent two and a half years there actually, Um, and essentially we started off with just being in the middle of nowhere on these two training fields, um, which by the way got waterlogged every time it was rainy season, Um, and we ended up building a brand new brand new facility which had two new two brand new fields. a brand new gym, which I got to design. Loads of offices. Um, a kitchen, which we had a chef in and stuff like that. So, actually, when you look back at it, I was really proud of what I did there and actually what what I gave to them players. Because some of them players came from nothing, you know. Yeah. There were, some of them, there was one, one, one guy, he was like half Vietnamese. He, as a lad, he used to go around picking things out of dustbins and trying to sell them. Um, and that story is not uncommon either. There's... So there was a lot of guys who who came from absolutely nothing. So, for you to go in there and give them education on training and 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 how to eat properly and and lots of other things was 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 excellent.
0: Just just on that, because I know we can continue from that point in a second, but I really want to dive into this because you mentioned before about not being able to get your teeth into a program that can be frustrating as a practitioner. But well, this yeah. is obviously. With different challenges, but it did allow you. I'm guessing there wasn't anything in place when you went up, got over there. Is that right?
1: Yeah, nothing in place. Yeah. So
0: in terms of like the basics and getting set out on this program and looking at it and going right, I've got these players, like you say, from all these different backgrounds. With I'm guessing not much training, not much of a training age between them. Mm -hmm. What was the first steps? There's obviously the facilities that you just mentioned, but in terms of you and the programming, what was the first steps that you took?
1: Yeah. So we. Obviously, the club didn't have a gym at the time, so we'd have to use a, a local gym, which I'm, I, I think a lot of clubs still do that anyway. But essentially, I was like, right, put them in the one by twenty. You've probably heard of the one by twenty program. If you've not, like, definitely, definitely look it up. Um, and they improved so much by just doing this one by twenty program. Um, and I didn't probably for that first season. I didn't take many players off that program, the one by twenty program. Yeah, um, it gave me so much variation. Um, they they built so much capacity from that from that program, and it was easy. It and they didn't need anything else because they hadn't been taught how to squat properly. They hadn't been taught how to hinge properly or lunge properly. Um, and and I'm not talking about barbell squatting. I'm talking about a goblet squatting or even bodyweight squatting for, for a lot of them um and say the head coach at the time told me that before they had a lot of injuries and and once i'd implemented that the the injuries started to go because what they tend to do is they go into the local gym and they just use all the machines basically leg extensions leg press which i have nothing against by the way and and i still use now but when they were like lifting as much as they could on the leg press and leg extension and then coming into training obviously. so they do this on the days off as well after a game so um yeah just putting in the, the basics you know and and that's all they needed and to be honest still to this day going into Derby County I could probably put a lot of the guys on the one by 20 and see a big improvement as well to be
0: honest. Just, just break that down a little bit because I think that'll capture quite a bit of attention so the one by 20 you're talking a single set of yeah. 20 reps across how, how would you split that across the week then in terms of exercises:
1: Yeah, so the 1 by 20 was popularized by what well, he Dr. Yesis made yeah. it, I think a, a Russian sports scientist um, and he, he put it forward for a lot of the youth athletes, but then he also used it for a lot of um, American college um, college athletes as well um, so essentially it's one set and, and 20 reps and you, and you do this and say for example you do it on 20 kg. And you feel like you're starting to get to 23 to 24 reps. Or well, you then go to a heavier weight. Yeah. So you might go up to 25 kg. And basically, you just keep on. Until they can't increase the weight, then you might drop them down to 1 by 15. So they can increase the weight by more. And you can even increase the complexity of the exercise. So you might take them from a goblet squat to a front squat. Or you just take them down to a 1 by 15 and make them do more weight. Which yeah. is essentially which is essentially what I did. So rather than putting them onto a front squat, some of my athletes never even touched a barbell in the first season. They just they just stuck to the, the dumbbell. So they go straight to the um, yeah, one by fifteen of a goblet squat, but they may be doing it with thirty kg rather than twenty kg. And obviously that's one so that's twenty reps and they've also got to choose twenty exercises. So split it up in up into ten lowers and ten uppers. The really good thing about doing that is is they're off they're obviously lifting light weights right so the 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 cost is is really low so it's all about like neuromuscular control um so you can put in loads of hip flexor work loads of core bent knee straight knee because you've got so many exercises to do right you've got yeah. so many like anti-extension anti-flexion core exercises um your bent knee straight knee hamstring exercises so it was a really it was a really good program that was was all Kind of a really all around the program um and there's a guy called jeff moyer who um is in a, is a he worked with dr yeses and he said with this with this stuff it's all about your exercise prescription so and this is where special strength comes into it which sam portland talks about quite a lot so for example if you're doing a, a hip flexor exercise then can you get them that hip that leg starting behind them? and driving through so it's actually like an acceleration movement so you're actually yeah. making it quite quite specific as well so um if guys were lifting if guys were really not very good in the gym they had a really low training age i would just make them do the whole 20 exercises in one in one day and i would make them do that two times a week and the cost that the because they we weren't lifting head weights, it was fine. If they started to gradually get much better and they're lifting heavyweights, then I'd just split it up into an upper upper body and, uh, and a lower body day.
0: And in terms of the progression from that then, what at mm-hmm. what point, point? So and I know you can tie in probably the work you're doing at Derby now as well, yeah. at what point yeah. would you say, right, we're going to move on from that programme now and, and maybe use some of the more traditional approaches that are used in football? Because I think that's probably quite untraditional, isn't it, in terms of the approach that coaches would take in the game.
1: Yeah, definitely. So once look, once you've got these guys on doing this program for six months, there is that kind of stagnation, stagnation, and you've got the lower accommodation as well, where they they just get used to it and they get bored, to be honest. So yeah, so then you can start going into them like functional hypertrophy ranges and start increasing the complexity of the exercises. So you know, rather than going from dumbbell dumbbell RDL to a barbell RDL um, now. The one thing about working in those countries is you never had any equipment, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the, the equipment's names, but um, certain testing equipment that you we didn't have, have a, I can, yeah, so yeah. you had no boards and the valve and all that kind of stuff. So we didn't yeah. have any of that over here. So as soon as you get to a place like Derby and they've got all that equipment, you know, a lot of the a lot of the numbers and the, I, I had to really familiarise myself with. So they're using testing equipment. To kind of check, okay, where where we're going next. Okay, maybe they need some more proximal or distal hamstring. Whereas I was just rotating it like every one one to two weeks to just make sure I was getting that right dosing. I mean, one thing I did for testing was in, for example, an activation session. Can everyone single leg squat? I just I just had to use my eyes because I didn't I didn't I didn't have that testing equipment. So to answer your question, really, once they had gone through that one by twenty stage and they had gone from one fifteen to one eight, then I'd start to go into like two sets of eights, um, two sets of fives, three sets, et cetera, and just start to increase the complexity of the exercises. But having done a few seasons on the one by twenty, that we had two, in, we had an, I had an English centre back come and join in Thailand, and he worked. He'd been all over the place, Bristol Rovers been at loads of clubs in the UK and he came out and I put him on the one by twenty. He'd never seen it before. It said it was the best his fault for a long, long time. So we just we just kept him on it because it yeah. worked and he. And he ended up getting a fantastic contract after that season, and, he's, and he, his playing availability was excellent. So he's just kept on doing it. So if it's working, I don't really need to change it. I don't really need to look at the testing the testing. If the player enjoying it and he's feeling good on it, then I'm happy with that.
0: And then if they're not and they've made that progression you've mentioned before you've got six months or whatever it is of work into them which is the whole point of it in the first place isn't it? To get exactly. them consistent with the programme. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I know. I love it. I love it. It's, 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 it's just such a simple approach really isn't it? But when executed in such a way like that it's it massively beneficial for players. But I wanted to just tie this back in with what you spoke about in terms of personal training as well. Yeah. Because in terms of Progressions, regressions of exercises. I'm guessing this is where you could pull on that experience because you've worked with, okay, they're not footballers, but you've had to manipulate all sorts of different exercises working with general populations. So for coaches listening with next to no experience, like you mentioned before, coming out of a a university degree, that's where the benefit is, isn't it? Because you're going to get tested and then you can apply it like you have.
1: Yeah, exactly that. You know, because you're not, you're never going to get, walk into a club and only coach really good athletes. Do you know what I mean? So you're always going to get that athlete who can't squat very well. Well, that's fine. Let's give them some, something else. And I think my foot, when I was coaching at CrossFit in, in Chichester, my first client I got was a, she was about a 60 year old lady and she just really wanted to learn how to Olympic lift. So, and like her mobility was poor, like her motor control was poor. So, we started off by we were just doing loads of bodyweight squats, counter movement squats for ages for for a couple of months before she could actually start front squatting and getting into them position. Um, I had a, a really old gentleman in uh, I keep saying old people <laughs> in uh, in Singapore. He recovering from a stroke. He had an awful bad back. He, and it was there that I realised how much the hip flexors contributed to, to lower to lower back pain and. What we did is we, we just did loads of hip flexor work and he got mm-hmm. so much better and he was and he, he could hardly walk when he first came into the gym and he started being able to r- run again. So but that probably took eight hours of personal training a day for for a year to pick up these little nuances. Yeah. you know what I mean? And then I for example, plyometrics. Like you walk into a football club and people have got people drop, um, doing drop jumps already and you're like there are so many more regressions that you can use I, I've worked with loads of runners who who have had like bad backs and stuff so the last thing I want to start doing is giving them an intensive plyometrics you know yeah. Um, so just being able to really get loads of regressions on, on really like low amplitude plyometrics that you can use for a very long time and they will adapt from as well and you can keep them in for a long time before you start progressing them to things that expose them to higher contacts and higher ground reaction forces.
0: Yeah, 100%. That that toolbox that you build with personal training is, is yeah. Uh, yes, it's different ages. Yes, it's different yeah. sort of demographics of people, isn't it? But you probably don't realise at the time how much you actually apply to what you do now. And that's oh, the same definitely. with anyone, isn't
1: it? Definitely. So I do a lot of online coaching as well. And that's people from who I've met in Singapore. Bear yeah. mind, I've been coaching these guys for nearly four years, right? So you try and think of four years worth of exercises. Your that that toolbox is, is is massive. Do you know what I mean? So especially when you get guys who who say, "Oh, I'm just working from home. I've got one kettlebell." So you, you're literally the the, the body king, You know, you've got them doing all sorts, but it does it massively helps, and it shows you how much how much you can progress people. With nothing, yeah, really, you know yeah.
0: What I mean, so, so yeah, yeah. No, I love hearing stories like this because I think it underlines that exact fact that yes, a nice fancy gym is amazing as a practitioner to go into. Players love it, but yeah, it's not required, is it? Like you, you see some absolutely incredible programs done with next to nothing.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, all you have to do is look at these calisthenics guys right yeah <laughs> we were, yeah. were doing muscle ups you know and stuff like that so and, and one thing on that when when i was in thailand so i i went from cambodia which had which we just built an excellent gym um and it was really good and then i got to thailand and they, again we didn't have any gym again so we would we would train about five o'clock in the afternoon because it was so so hot out there um i was essentially the kind of physio and and the, the snc so i would do the activation and the and the warm up so the coach over there an English coach Kevin Blackwell was like you can do you can do the activation and the warm up so I was essentially given a thirty minute block which was obviously you know is, is really good yeah so did I have them doing activation no like this this was a thirty minute speed session yeah um and I was actually really happy that I didn't have a gym because what I could do with resistance bands and medicine balls on the grass. I think was probably far better than what they would have got in the gym, to be honest.
0: Yeah, but I banged for book at that time, 100%, isn't it? Because coaches yeah. might want to see the players squatting or whatever, but you know as a coach in terms of that transfer, and it's something that Sam spoke about at our recent event, but that transfer of training to the pitch, which we'll go on to in a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. But that time is precious, isn't it? So really yeah. trying to utilise it in that way is really important.
1: Yeah, it really is. And not, I mean, I've, since I've got to Derby, there's a, there's a, a lot of excellent practitioners here who, who all chip in and, and have their bit. So um, it was a really good time in my, in my stage of my career where I could learn so much about all different aspects of, of, of a, a physical performance, to be honest. So Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. In terms of once that programme, so if you go back to sort of Cambodia, and I know you might touch on, and um, the work you did in Thailand as well. Yeah. With When you got to the point of that program, say it was six months down the line or what, whatever, where you felt like it was a bit more established with the gym side of things, mm. how did that then translate onto the pitch? What was like the next step that you took?
1: Yeah. you know what? When I was in Cambodia, when you're out there, it was really, really hard to network with people. Um, I, was, I was definitely a part of your community. I was watching videos and stuff like that. But... So what I did is I ended up getting a mentor mentorship under Sam Portland, which was really good. It really changed my thinking. And essentially what it gave me, it gave me systems. It gave me a lot of systems. And before I didn't really have that. So um, what he gave me was a set of systems to use um, just in my programming really. And Sam is very kind of speed. um, What's the word? As a massive emphasis around speed, so essentially what, what I was looking at is, are they getting faster? Um, But also, we had, in Cambodia, we had an Irish coach, and we had analysis department, so what I then start to look at is, it's how many, like, you have to look at the, the things on huddle, like how many deep completions are, are we getting, how many final passes into the final third, how many counter presses are we getting, because for me, when you look at, and Sam will talk about this a lot, is, we get you. You, you so um, think about top speed so much, but really we just accelerate so much in football. I think acceleration is is massive. And I was doing. I did a CPD at Derby the other day, and some of the research we spoke about is um, vertical vertical impulse really has no impact over thirty meters. So mm-hmm. if we can really just get a lot of horizontal force into our programmes, I think we're going to help these players accelerate and win the ball back as fast as we can um so that that was something i put in my in my programs a lot was a lot for example like a lot of wall drills a lot of bounds a lot of resisted marches um and again i didn't have speed gates so i couldn't test if their five meters um was, was getting better but what i had is i had my eyes and I'd always put cones out and make them project. And if I could see them moving from one cone to the other, and that might only be a few feet, but if I can see that back foot moving forward between cones, I know I'm doing my job properly and they're actually projecting. Because what you'll find is, especially when it comes to these countries, because they've not had a lot of vacation, they want to do all these fast feet fast feet kind of stuff on the spot, but they don't project anywhere. So what I, what I used was... Sam kind of taught me a lot about vertical integration and, and kind of having this whole, uh, having a lot of buckets and putting an emphasis on something. And a lot of people focus on strength. So squatting, Bulgarian split squatting. But really I find a lot of the stuff that really worked for me was the capacity work. And rather than going too general with that capacity work, would go into like your special development exercises and special prep exercises. So loads of wall drills. So when you're doing like the load and lift, um, you're getting so much like exposure to the calf, to the salaria, to the hip flexors, and you can do ten to fifteen reps of these because you've not got any weight on them. So for me, that was my that was my capacity stuff sorted right there. Yeah. And then if you get and then if you go from the wall drills because this is all an activation for me. So we'd have them on the on the wall doing all the wall drills and stuff like that, and you can progress them through kind of bilateral to unilateral movements on the walls, and then we'll get them straight on to like would would load them up. So we'd use bands and we'd just we won't get them to sprint. We'd mm-hmm. just get them to find strong positions. So hold them really tight, get them in that in that kind of horizontal position and just get them moving and, and practicing a low heel recovery and putting force into the ground. And I'll tell you what, if you do 30 meters of resistive marches, that for me is much harder than doing but than doing, I don't know, eight reps on a back squat. Mm-hmm. But essentially we're doing it in the positions we want them to be
0: in. We've had some incredible presentations over on our online community. We've got over 150 hours of content over on there now. But these last two presentations we've put on are probably up there in the top few percent. We've had a presentation from Sam Portland, Do You Develop Speed or Do You Think You Do? That's available now to watch back. And also from Sam Peeps, Isometric Strength Training, Practical Applications for Football They're both available to watch now in full on the online community. The good news is if you want to access those, just go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign yourself up there to the online community and it'll give you a 30 day free trial. After your free trial, you become a full paid member of the community and you get invited into our members WhatsApp group where there's always plenty of discussions going on on numerous topics, numerous trends that are going on in the industry and some job opportunities as well. And if you've joined now, we do have a webinar coming very soon from 292 Performance Coach Ben Rosenblatt, who was on the podcast um, not too long ago, so you'll get access to that very soon as well. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign yourself up there for a free 30-day trial. Here's part two of the podcast with Rob Morledge. I was saying this to Sam, because this really challenges our thought process, which I think is great, because as practitioners, we always lean, especially in football. I mean, we we always lean towards the need to get stronger, You need to get stronger because yeah. that's going to translate into more power, more speed. And none of us, none of them are strong enough. Whereas when you yeah. start speaking to yourself and people like Sam, it kind of makes sense that this is ty- Yes, Yes, we, we can develop strength, but the way we do it maybe just needs questioning a little bit. And that's not to say that, and I know Sam will push this as well. Not to say that no strength work is done, because yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. But it's, I suppose, it's where the priority lies, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And if if your athletes were really advanced, you can go off them training residuals in that you only have to train strength once a month to 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 keep that. So for all the other all the other time that you've got, like focus on. Your special strengths, for special strength work and more specific stuff, and your speed and your acceleration. But you know, a, a really good story was when I was in Thailand. We had we had a few English guys come over, and one of the and you won't mind me saying, one of the English guys came over. He'd been through Arsenal's academy, Forest Academy. So I had all these Thai guys on the one by twenty. He came in, Nordics, heavy, heavy box squats, heavy Bulgarian split squats, and it was like, right, I, I can tell you've come you've come through an academy. Um, because you know you've been exposed to all this stuff. He probably had the biggest injury, um, kind of history than all the other guys, and you could just tell by the way he moved. He couldn't do a he couldn't do a um, a full squat, but a full body weight squat. He could not go past ninety degrees, but he could do a a, a 120 kg box squat. So I mean, there's something wrong with that. He was just Bulgarian split squatting, but he he had no range of motion, and he picked up one or two injuries as well so he was in, in, in Thailand. So I said to him, you need to stop doing this and we need to go right back to basics. So I took him from the ball gear and split squat into a normal split squat and I made him make sure that his back knee touched the ground. And he was like, oh my God, I can actually feel my my glutes. My, his glutes were like, he had a lot of DOMS in them the next day so he'd never felt that from split squats before. And said, that's because you're actually moving through a full range of motion now. Yeah. Um you know, they, they obviously love to use Nordics and I actually never really used Nordics um, overseas because of their training age. And all, I thought Nordic is a really hard exercise. So we'd we'd put things in like harrop curls and, and you know, long lever bridges and this stuff to, to put something else in instead. And those guys weren't picking up hamstring injurers who were doing the one by 20 and doing, having lots of variance capacity to work. But the guy who had been through this system of heavy lifting, had, was picking up injuries so mm. it took me a good six months to pull him away from the, all that heavy lifting and put him into more capacity work and full range of motion work and he actually didn't get injured for the rest of the season so for me like that's only one example but I think it was a really good example
0: Definitely Just go back into the career now so in terms of the work you did in Thailand what, what was after that?
1: What was after the work in Thailand?
0: Yeah, so yeah. Was, there, was there roles in
1: between Thailand and moving to Derby? Do you know, Thailand was, we had, um, so I had two coaches in Thailand. One of them was kind of, your fitness coach was there to run them. And then one of the guys, the he got sacked and then a new coach came in, he was Thai, and he wanted me to be doing loads of passenger roles. And I'd never done passenger roles ever. So I was like scrambling on YouTube. I think I bought Adam Owen's book um and you know because you didn't have too much pressure on you because you was in thailand i made a lot of mistakes with my passenger rules but you know in the end um they i got them to where i wanted them to be and they tied in excellently with with my um with my kind of special strength stuff so in the warm-up when they're doing 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 a lot of acceleration work i'd be putting straight into passenger rules where there was actually learning to play the ball forward and sprint forward. So after Thailand, when I came into Derby, I'd already had all these passengers in in, in my locker because I was forced to learn them previously without too much pressure. So, so I've come into Derby and you know one thing I was going to mention is very, very different in terms of schedule. So you overseas you could easily go Saturday to Saturday. So you could have all your themed themed, your tactical periodization, whereas I got here um, to Derby and it's very much kind of like play Saturday, play Tuesday, as as I'm sure you're aware of. So um, in between Th- in between Thailand and 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 I was actually meant to go out to India, um, but I got offered the role here. Ross Ross Berby offered me the role here, and I kind of knew that although in Thailand and Cambodia you had the full uh, management of the program, I knew that I needed to come back and kind of upskill myself and learn from all the different practitioners here and. So far, being back has been great because of, you know you're going to UKCA conferences, catapult conferences, and stuff like this. So the stuff that I've learned here has been has been excellent. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, nothing between Thailand and, uh, and 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 Derby County. I
0: love that thought process though. That's the sign of a fitness coach, isn't it? That when you get given a task of doing passing drills straight away, your mind is right. What what can I? What else can I get into these drills to get them yeah. working? But that's what 100%. you do, isn't it? Can I get yeah, an XL? Exactly. Can I get a D Cell or whatever it's gonna be? Like how can I really utilize its time?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um uh and it's been really hard to put any kind of so essentially you'll have the S and C coach who do the activation here, and I'll do fifteen minutes out on the grass doing a warm up. Um you've got a lot of senior pros here who might not buy into the running drills as much as what I did overseas. So, right, so because I've got this kind of, you know, a good book of passengers, I'm thinking, right, I can I can get accelerations in in here. So rather than going kind of full um, wall drills and stuff like that, so practice your a-skips, um, your single-leg a-skips, because you're getting some really good extensive plyometrics by doing that. So essentially in a warm-up, that's, that's what you're looking for. Can you get a few bounds in, a few horizontal bounds and. And with the old, all the running running skips you've got, you get loads of extensive plyos in and there. And it's kind of, right, get them into a passenger and can you make them sprint from that? Not sprint, but, you know, lots of good quality acceleration.
0: Yeah. It, I know you
1: briefly touched on it just
0: now, but I wanted to ask as well about your transition as not just a practitioner, but it's obviously a massive move, isn't it? From going from that part of the world and obviously the, the roles that you had over there, coming back to the UK, um, obviously, somewhere that you've been before, but not been for a, for a while. So, how did you find that transition? You said about the schedule, but for you as, as a person, as a practitioner, like how was that transition?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing I had to do was I had to move back in with my mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'd had six years living in some amazing places in my own little apartment, living in places like Bangkok. But moving back in with my parents in Nottingham, thinking, Oh, what am I? Do- what am I doing? You know, so that was actually re- that was actually really hard. You know, to um, to kind of, and I'm still getting used to it now, actually. Um, and then coming into a club like Derby, which is a which is a massive club, the standards are much much higher. The players have played in some, you know, in the Premier League, um, some really good players here, senior pros. You know the managers are really good managers. The the staff have all worked in the Premier League and have got so. I think I spoke to you about it before, but like I definitely had some some kind of imposter syndrome when I when I got here. Um, and you know what people never, I've not really heard too many people talk about that, but just just little things like, you know how to how to act around the players. Or do I, do I really need to be strict because I need to show them that like I'm that kind of fitness coach and. I soon came to realise that like you just have to be yourself and yeah. To be honest, I'm I am a little bit a, a bit of a joker. So if that meant dancing in the activation sessions and then then, then then that's what that's what I did, you know. And and as soon as I started just to be myself, then th- things started to change, you know. So um the transition was was really hard and I'm and I'm still getting used to it. And I spoke to you earlier about going from running the program to doing everything in terms of I've got a few funny nutrition stories about Cambodia and Thailand, which I must tell you before we finish this. But yeah,
0: yeah. I do
1: all the nutrition stuff in in those places, all the gym work, all the on field fitness work, all the rehab work to coming back and doing data and warm ups, and it was it was hard because I was a really good generalist over there, and to come back and to be able to, and to have to sit in front of a laptop and. Be introduced back into excel spreadsheets and start having to watch excel tricks for sports and stuff like that is it was like oh, you know it's not really what i want to do but then it's like i knew it was a weakness of mine so i've just indulged myself in it like i've absolutely indulged myself in it and i've been speaking to a lot of guys already from different clubs and they've been giving me help on you know how to best use data monitoring sheets and stuff like that and and I've come in as a first team senior coach, and now I'm going down to the academy to the under 21s and under 18s coaches asking for advice. Mm. You know, and it doesn't look good, but essentially, as I have got very, very different experiences to to them, but I think if you're very honest and you tell them, look, I'm not too sure about how to do this, then you'll be absolutely fine. And the guys, the guys at Derby, Will and done in the academy have been have been excellent. So. um yeah.
0: Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that is extremely honest and open of you to admit that in terms of um not being completely comfortable in that role at first but I think that's also a good sign that it's a good test yeah. for you. And without yeah. putting words in Ross's mouth like I'm sure your experience and um the sort of generalist roles that you've had to that you've been in all those different environments 100% yeah. has led to him like getting you into this role. So he's yeah, he's backed exactly. you with it, hasn't he? And then I think at the time it probably is very uneasy and doesn't feel quite right. But the, I think as practitioners, you've also got to back yourself, haven't you, and go, actually, just because my experience isn't the same as everyone else's, I, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm ready for this.
1: 100%. I definitely offer something that maybe your traditional fitness coach um, has done by obviously... I, I haven't been through the system, right? I haven't done the under sixteens, the under eighteens, the under twenty ones. Yeah. Um and I, do you know what I I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that as well. Because I, I feel that sometimes when you're when you go through that system, like I was talking about earlier on, like, oh, let's do velocity based training and let's do Bulgarian split squats. It's not it's not as black and white as that, but you do really get to do what you what you feel is best, and 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 then you can go away and get yourself a mentor because I needed it because I didn't have anyone around me. So then you're not kind of you don't end up being so biased to to the people working around you at the club uh, essentially. So um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed enjoyed that time. And when I came into Derby and I was doing, obviously I've got a, quite a big speed emphasis because of the mentors that I've had and then straight away a lot of the guys are coming up to me very very good players this is stuff is really good um and we should be doing a lot more of this stuff i've actually been away in the off season in the summer been doing loads of running mechanics with different guys and then they see me come in and i'm doing it with them and i'm really passionate about it and they're actually and we've actually seen some really good top speeds at the moment then it you you feel right at home straight away yeah and and do you know what i mean so you just have to back yourself
0: I think people have just got to take away from this conversation that there's not just one road that leads to these different roles, and I think it, yeah. putting yourself out there like you've done, obviously it's a massive lifestyle change, but if people want to pursue routes like that, it doesn't have to be the same clubs or anything, but there's a lot of opportunities out there to go and do and pick up experience, isn't there?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I was really lucky to get that role in in Cambodia, it come through a friend or whatever, but I saw a post from, I think it was called Elliot Turner and he said he yeah. had to drop down, he had to drop down a lot of leagues to to be able to go and coach somewhere and build his own philosophy and, and I thought that was a, a really good post that he put because how can you build your own philosophy when you've got six people in the department telling you what to do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and so, yeah, you, and like we spoke about with the personal training, like, if, when I was at West Brom doing the like kind of under 16s up to 23s, like I was doing like personal training on the side in the evening times. So, you know, you know, you work all the hours under the sun, but again, the people that I coached and I still coach that to, to, this, to this day is, well, firstly, you earn some extra money. Yeah. And, uh, and, and secondly, like you just, yeah, you learn so much. So go out there and do any kind of and coach anyone you can.
0: Brilliant, Rob. There's loads to take away from this one. Right, before we wrap up, firstly, if anyone wants to reach out to you, where would you direct them?
1: I don't really use Twitter or X. Um, Probably LinkedIn, so Robert Morledge, and I do use Instagram as well. If you want my Tinder profile, you have to swipe. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's the first one we've had
1: in 266 episodes. I knew it would be so I i brilliant. <laughs> that is class.
0: Right, well, finish off the podcast. Nutrition stories.
1: Yeah, so Cambodia. Um guys, we eating fried fried chicken feet. So, um, all sorts, fried chicken feet, like healthy, absolutely everything under the sun. So um you just you won't be able to believe some of the things you had to you had to kind of change in their diet. So and one thing was is like you go in and you'd be telling them to you want you're not going to tell them to eat chicken or rice because you know they're they're different cultures. So eat all your soups, but make sure you've got plenty of veg in it and and your your proteins, your lean proteins and that. And you know, some of the guys essentially said that they don't have the money to afford it, you know, because the the wages are so low. So like having to kind of like come up with these really um, really good ideas. So like we're still in the Khmer and Thai culture, but also like eating healthy as well. Uh, and the second one was in Thailand. I did this massive presentation about loads of photos because obviously the language barrier. You know your Ferrari car. You know don't eat, eat all this stuff and stop stop you from going to the doctors. Massive presentation. And then two days later, the owner rang up and said, "Oh, before the game, I'm going to take you off McDonald's before <laughs> before the game." So we've we've pulled up the day before a game. Everyone's at McDonald's. The English centre back is absolutely wetting himself with laughter because of of what because there's lads in McDonald's eating chicken nuggets, Big Macs, McFlurries, all sorts the day before a game. So, yeah, it was brilliant. A story.
0: absolutely brilliant. Yeah. No, that's class. Rob, this has been superb, mate. Thank you for coming on. I feel like we've we've okay, just ben. scratched the surface as well. There's probably loads more we can dive into. And obviously, yeah. we've not spoke so much about your current role at Derby, but I wish you all the best for the rest of the season as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Ben. Thank you so very much.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode with Rob. I certainly did. I thought hearing from someone with a very different background and also how that has led into his role now um, back in the UK with Derby, I think was really fascinating pulling from those experiences as well on some of the lessons he's learned on being this this generalist and covering all wearing all sorts of different hats in these roles I think is so important. We spoke about it a little bit in the episode but we also spoke before and just saying that the role that Rob is now in where he's a, um, a little bit more on the specialist side in terms of data um it's it's making him a real full-rounded practitioner And pulling from those experiences, I think, is really, really important that you have a little bit of both. You have experiences where you are the only person. And then a lot of roles now in the professional game will probably give you a little bit more of a a specialist area. So loads to take away from that in terms of Rob's journey. I think the other thing that stood out for me was where he mentioned on his internship. He had around seven jobs going at the same time. I really hope that this is... It's not something to be carried on as as a long-term... Um, target in terms of taking on so much work but I do think there's so much value in just picking up experience especially when you're younger you've not got so many commitments you just need to absorb as much as possible and also get paid then that is the time to just pick up these roles and you'll reflect on them in the future and then say that was a crazy time but these are all the things that I took from it the benefits of personal training as well Rob is just one of so many guests we've had on the podcast that have said about their experiences with personal training, working with general population. Yes, they are not footballers, but there is still a hell of a lot of lessons to learn um, that you carry on into a role like Rob is in now. The one times programme, I think it was, it was a great... Um, Rob did a great job of explaining why he used it, how it worked with the players... And it kind of makes sense, keeping things really simple. He obviously got really good buy-in from the players around using that program as well. Um, so go and check that out if you've not already. If you've not already heard of it or used it, that's Doctor Yesis. That's Y-E-S-S-I-S, Go and search for his name over on Google. And also the importance. Rob, Rob also spoke about the importance of horizontal force. So prioritising that getting players super strong in those exercises like your wall drills um, and sled sled pushes and all those things that are really working in terms of horizontal force. That's a real priority for him on the restricted time that we have with players as well. So loads of great takeaways on this one. As always, I would love to hear yours. So please give it a share over on socials or reach out. And let me know what you took away from the episode. Go and check Rob out over on socials as well. He's on X or Twitter, he's on Instagram, he's on LinkedIn and also Tinder apparently as well for anyone that's interested. Um, so go and check him out, link up with him. I'm sure you'll appreciate any messages, um, any feedback people have got from the podcast as well. And just finally, go and check out our sponsors doing some incredible work. That is The Good Prep, uh, Rezel and also Hytro. Go and at least give them a follow over on socials and show them a bit of love from us. And a big thank you again for listening. Speak to you again next week in episode 267.